Well, good evening. Grab your seats. If you've got your Bibles, we're in week six of a series going through the book of Galatians. Uh, So you can turn to Galatians chapter three. We'll take the second half of that chapter. Uh, But I love worshiping with you. I love being a part of this congregation. Lisa and I and our kids, our week builds toward Friday night. So uh, to be here together with you is such a gift. Thank you for the four of you whose week builds toward Friday night. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) um, Yeah, grab your Bibles. Uh, Galatians chapter 3, 15 is where we'll pick up. And uh, what I'll do is I'll read this text and then I'll pray and we'll jump in. So hear the word of the Lord from the Apostle Paul writing to the people in Asia Minor. He says in Galatians 3, 15, brothers and sisters, Let me take an example from everyday life. Just as no one can set aside or add to a human covenant that has been duly established, so it is in this case. The promises were spoken to Abraham and to his seed. Scripture does not say and to seeds, meaning many people, but Scripture says and to your seed. The promise to Abraham was and to your seed, meaning one person, and Paul says that one person is Christ. The promise is to your seed who is Christ. What I mean is this. The law introduced 430 years later does not set aside the covenant previously established. Everyone say previously established. The law doesn't set aside the covenant previously established by God and thus do away with the promise. For if the inheritance depends on the law, then it no longer depends on the promise. But God in his grace gave it to Abraham through, and here's another key word in this text, through a promise. Verse 19, why then was the law given at all? It was added because of transgressions until the seed to whom the promise referred had come. This is the word of the Lord and all God's people said. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Lord, I'm asking tonight for simplicity, simplicity of spirit for me. This is a complex and difficult text, so I'm asking for simplicity. I'm asking for simplicity of heart for all of us. We live in a complex and crazy world. We live in a world of warring and fighting and tribalism. We live in a world of one-upmanship, trying to win over other people. We live in a world of unholy competition at times. And so, Lord, what we need tonight as we come into your presence is simplicity. So I pray that you'd make us like children. (laughs) Children just believe. They hear and they believe. And so, Lord, I pray that you'd make us more like children tonight. I pray that these words would pulse with the presence and the power of the Almighty God. I pray that these words would be lifted up by the power of the Holy Spirit and made more. I simply do not have enough, but you do and you have more than enough. So we pray, Lord, do your more than enough thing here tonight as we open the word. May the words of our mouths and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our redeemer. And I pray these things in the name of the Father and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and all God's people said, amen. Amen. There's something about great writers and great directors 
You've got the Toni Morrisons, you've got the Terrence Malicks, you've got the Steven Spielbergs, people who know how to tell a story and who know how to keep the rope tight in a story. A rope that's slack and kind of loose, it doesn't keep your attention, but a great storyteller knows how to build from this point and build a plot and develop themes and they have recurring themes and even musically, people who write scores for movies or television shows, they, they keep these themes recurring throughout and there's something beautiful about a story well told and I think Paul here is doing just that. He's taking an Old Testament theme and he's weaving it into his letter to the Galatians. He's, he's talking about Abraham. This guy, why are you talking about Abraham, Paul? We're here now 2,000 years after that or however long after that. Why do you keep talking about Father Abraham? Abraham, 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 promise. And there's this promise. And the, so Paul is setting the story and making it tight. We learned last week that Abraham and Sarah were the people God used to get the story back on track. Genesis 1 and 2, the beautiful story. Genesis 3, the whole thing comes apart. And we see that in Genesis 3, we said this last week, that the fall happens and it's the fracturing of communion with God and really the fracturing of communion between Adam and Eve. Adam starts pointing at that woman and Eve starts saying, well, he did this. And so human communion with God is broken and husband and wife communion is broken. That's chapter 3. Chapter 4 their boys, Cain kills Abel. We see the fracturing of the family. Chapters six through nine, Noah and the flood. It's the fracturing of the created order. Creation is coming undone because of the power and the outworking of sin. And finally in Genesis 11, it's the Tower of Babel, which is the fracturing of the peoples. But Bruce Waltke, the great Old Testament scholar, he says that Genesis 12, it's this pivot, it's the hinge in the Old Testament, and it's the thematic center of the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible. He says Genesis 12 is the thematic center of the Pentateuch. From that thematic center in Genesis, we see that wherever the curse is wreaking havoc, God makes a promise. The world is falling apart. There's destruction. The, the snake has slithered up and seduced them away into sin. But God says into those situations, here's what I'm going to do. God makes a promise wherever the enemy is wreaking havoc. He says in this case in Genesis 12, Abraham and Sarah go. I will bless you and I will make you a blessing and through your offspring I will bless all the nations of the earth. Through your seed, one, through one of your children, through your seed, I will bless all the nations of the earth. I'll make you into a great nation, he says, and I will bless you. And then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, to your seed, I will, I will. It's a promise. I will give, give this land. You see, whenever God wants to do something in human affairs, he makes a promise. I have promised fatigue as a parent because my children come to me all day, every day, and Lisa probably all the more because she's with them just a little bit more than I am. Can we this? Can we that? Can we this? Can we that? Can we have pop? Can we have watermelon? Can we have pizza? Can we have uh, our cousin sleepover? Can we go over to so-and-so's house? Can we play NBA 2K? Can we go to Fiji? Can we get a tattoo? Can we shoot guns? Can we, can we, can we, can we, can we, can we, is anyone else just want, I promise fatigue, stop talking. 
I don't want to answer any more questions. And so because I'm so fatigued, essentially what I say is we'll see, we'll see, we'll see, we'll see. It's just parents' way of deferring. We'll see, I don't know, get off of me, back up. Don't ask me any more questions, we will see. We will see, which means heck no. Does anyone else have promise fatigue? Just, just shh, we'll say. God Almighty. But God, when he wants to do something, when he wants to change his story, when he wants to step into chaos and rebuke the curse, he makes a promise. Hey, Noah, I promise this is the last time a flood will ever happen. I promise. I covenant with you. I covenant with the ground. I covenant with myself. Salvation will be the end of the story. And this is just a brief blip in the story. I promise this is the last time. Hey, Moses, I promise. I know you said you can't speak and you're afraid of going to Pharaoh. And I think you're remembering your past and you killed that guy 40 years ago. And you thought you could just come hide out here in the the, the desert of Midian. No, no, no. Get back and go into Egypt and go tell Pharaoh. And I promise I will give you the words to speak. And I promise never will I leave you and never will I forsake you. And I promise I will break Pharaoh's heart so that he finally obeys me. And it's not going to be you, Moses. You just go and I promise I will follow behind you. I promise. Hey, Joshua, I know Moses, my servant, is dead, and I know you're scared, and I know you don't think you have what it takes to lead the people across the Jordan to settle them in the promised land that I promise, because I'm the God who promises, but I promise never will I leave you and never will I forsake you, and I promise I will give you strength and courage, so you be strong and very courageous. Do not be afraid, and before the Lord your God goes with you wherever you, I promise I will not leave you alone, wherever God wants to rebuke the curse and step into the chaos, and whenever God wants to shift a story, he gives a promise. So tonight what I want to do is make three observations from this text, and this is a text full of promise that Abraham, Sarah, through your seed, I'm going to bless the nations of the earth. Here's the first observation I want to make is this. The divine promise precedes our underperformance of the law. He says, Paul, the law, it was introduced 430 years later. Abraham and Sarah, I promise I'm going to heal the world. I'm going to save the world. I'm going to bless the world. I have good plans. And you tried to mess it up. And you tried to walk away. And you tried to be God. And I know and you know that it didn't work. But I promise I'm shifting the story here. Now go and through you and through your seed that will come after you, I will bless all the nations of the earth. 430 years later, Moses. We think that, uh, that God will love us if we do it all right and if we can just come present. I was with a guy today. His life has been in shambles and he said, I've got to get my life back together before I come to church. And I said, that's garbage. No, 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 you've got it all wrong. You just need to come back into the presence of the Lord and let him do what he does and heal you and you will look up down the line and see that your life is reorganized and healed because he's the God who rebukes the curse. But you don't need to rebuke the curse in your life and frankly you can't so that then you can come into the presence of the Lord. The promise came before the law. God's blessing over us came before our underperformance of the law or before our good works. God leads 
with the promise. We think if I do it all correctly, God will bless me. And that's, imagine we just had a, a, a niece, uh, was it yesterday, two days ago? New niece, little Nora Hope out on Long Island, New York. And she's the fourth of my little sister, Anna. And this beautiful little human being and chubby cheeks and precious and thick Italian curly hair. And like her uncle, um, <clears throat> Stunning, like her uncle. Um, but imagine her parents going, okay, great, we got another human. Um, we'll wait until she obeys us to tell her we love her. You've got about two years here before she can really comprehend what we're saying. And, you know, we'll just sweat it out, we'll wait it out, we'll hold our I love you's because we gotta wait and see if she's gonna obey us. But then when she obeys us, then we'll say I love. We treat God as if he does that to us. Oh, once you get your stuff together, then I'll show you my love. No, you have a baby and you start weeping. You don't even know who this human being is. You just go, my heart is for you. I love you. I love you. I love you. I have loved you with an everlasting love. And it doesn't matter what you do with your life. It doesn't matter if you raise the middle finger to me with your life. It doesn't matter if you re- rebel against me and run away. I, I can never not love you because you come from me. I love you. God says that to us first. He doesn't wait for us to see if we can get our lives together and if we can jump over all the hoops and, and meet the, you know, the, the high bar. No, God just says, I love you. And then he teaches us through his word. Then he brings us into the law. But promise, love comes before obedience and law. God loves us First, I want you to hear tonight that you were loved before you ever obeyed, and even when you disobey, you are still loved. You are loved before you ever obeyed. God's promise is salvation. God's promise is blessing. God's promise is a universal family before we ever got the law, before we ever failed to keep the law, before we underperformed, God says, I Love you. And the old saints, I grew up in a church that, you know, we had some of the old saints and they would say, when God says it, that settles it. (laughs) You ever hear hear someone, when God says it, that settles it? I mean, when God says, I love you, when God says, I promise, that settles it. It's taken care of. God cannot be defeated by the devil. God does not make mistakes. God does not miss his marks. God doesn't make false promises. God's love cannot be stifled by our stupidity, (laughs) God's grace cannot be outmaneuvered by our mistakes. I need you to hear tonight that God's love is preeminent and it goes before your performance or underperformance. He just does love you. God's grace cannot be outmaneuvered by our mistakes. God's promise to love us is first. Think about God's creative sovereignty. Genesis starts with a garden. Goes, goes to pot, falls apart. Adam and Eve blow the story up. But Revelation ends with a renewed garden city and God on his throne. Like God's love, God's promise, God's salvation is, is more powerful than our ability to mess things up. God gets his garden back. Think about how it went wrong at a tree. Adam and Eve snatching the apple, snatching the fruit, trying to take the story into their own hands. The story gets righted at a tree. 
God's creative sovereignty, like, okay, that's fine. You think that's cute, you think you're strong, you think you're powerful, you think you can be God. Actually, let me get the story back. Let me show you creative sovereignty. God gets his garden back in the end. God heals the world at a tree when the world went wrong at a tree. God says, you cannot outmaneuver me. (laughs) Many of you come here tonight after a terrible week of stupidity. I had some moments this week I'm not super proud of, you know, moments of just falling short. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Paul said it, and thank you, Captain Obvious. You come in here tonight and you just think, man, you're remembering your worst moments of the week or your worst moments of the last year or your worst moments of the last decade and those things, you've allowed them to color your psyche and to color your soul and to color your spirit as if those things are more powerful. And God goes, when are you finally going to give in to the truest truth in all of the world that my love precedes and my love trumps all of your stupidity? When are you gonna believe that my grace will never be outmaneuvered by your mistakes? I love you I said it and that settles it and I promise and you can never get away from my love like when will we start believing this truth so Paul says in verse 18 God gave his blessing and his grace to Abraham through a promise not through Abraham's good works but through God's preeminent promise the second thing that I want you to see tonight is that the divine promise overrides our human impossibilities. The promise overrides our human impossibilities. He says, Abraham, Sarah, I'm going to give you a family and this family is going to crack open my blessing to the world and they loved that. They loved that promise but there was a problem. Abraham was 75 and Sarah was 65 and they were infertile, they couldn't have children, they had tried for decades. Father, just give us a baby, give us a baby, give us a baby. We wanna keep our story going. We've got all these flocks and herds, we've got all this land, we've got all this blessing, but we don't have the one thing that can keep the story going on. We don't have someone who can receive the inheritance. The story is going to stop with us being put in the ground because the story cannot live on. There's nobody else coming after us. Give us a baby, give us a baby, give us a baby, there's no baby. 75 years old, you gotta know at this point, uh, for years they'd tried and they'd cried and relied on God's promise, but you gotta know that at this point, they gave up. They threw in the towel, they shut it down, they couldn't flip the switch anymore. The divine promise, I want you to hear though, overrides our human impossibilities. And this is where the good news of the gospel rises to, because a 75-year-old and a 65-year-old didn't have control over their future. God did. (laughs) 24 years later at 99 and 89, 24 years later, 24 years before, I'm gonna bless you and make you a blessing and let's move and let's go on to this promised land I'm going to show you and they get their lives going and they start obeying and here they are at 89 and 99, 24 years later, no children. At this point, it's just the promise of God feels like cruelty. Why are you messing with my emotions? We had gotten okay with our story stopping with us. We were 75 and we were 65 and it's okay, but it's cruel for you to come and mess with my emotions and give me this promise and now I'm 89 and now I'm 99 and here you are. God shows up 24 years later and he says to them, 
this time next year, you're going to be changing diapers. Okay, God, you can stop now. Like, it's funny, but like, think of the emotion of it. 24 years later, after you got my hopes up, and, and we were already old then. And you're gonna come say again this time next year, you're gonna have babies. Just stop. I need you to leave me alone. I'm okay with my story stopping with us. You've been good to us enough, but quit messing with me. This time next year, you're going to be changing diapers. You're gonna have a baby. And I promise, I promise, I promise, I promise. And Abraham laughed and Sarah laughed and Sarah was surely postmenopausal and Abraham was stumbling around the house stubbing his toes on the bed frame and just trying to, you know, like, and, and this time next year, you're going to have a baby, I promise. But the promise kept, it kept ricocheting around in their souls. They, they actually, like, God's, God's voice is hard to avoid. Much as we want to shut it, I will bless you and I will make you a blessing. I will bless you and I will make you a blessing. I will bless you and through your seed, through your seed. Hey, old man, through your seed. Sarah, through your seed, I will bless all the nations of the earth. And then boom, the promise of God starts shaking and getting activated and human possibilities are getting overridden. And three to four months later, Sarah starts to show This little baby boy starts bouncing around in utero and the promise of God is jittering around in her stomach and she's starting to feel the the churn and the turn of God's promise welling up from deep within her and then boom, here comes Isaac, the son of laughter. His name means laughter because sometimes God's promise breaking in is just funny. (laughs) Like, are you serious? He's 100 years old when the baby comes and she's 90 when the baby's come. Like only God could do this. And that's just it. The divine promise, it overrides our human impossibilities. And isn't that what we see with young Mary, the virgin outside of Jerusalem, minding her own business. And the promise of God comes to her. Salvation will come through your womb. I will give you a son and you will call him Jesus for he will save God's people from their sins. And Mary's minding her own business like don't mess with my emotions. But here she is and she says, be it unto me according to your word. And in comes the Christ child, Jesus the Lord, though she had never had sex. The promise of God overrides our human impossibilities. Can you see the good news of the gospel in the Old Testament and in the New Testament? This is the God who loves to show us who he is and who loves to show his power and who loves to deliver on his promises and he loves to step into the chaos with something that we could say only God could have done this. The promise of God overrides our human possibilities. Through your seed, I will bless all the nations of the earth and that seed is Jesus Christ. Here's the reality, all of us experience a sort of soulish infertility. We all have areas of our lives where we just just aren't producing, it's just not working, it doesn't seem like, it, it just, I've tried and I've tried and I've tried and I've done everything I can do and I've prayed and I've fasted and I've longed for God to step into my soulish infertility and into my relational infertility and into my mental health infertility, I just, I, I can't produce, it's not working and God loves to step into our human impossibilities and bring life in just those places. And so I ask you tonight, what's that place 
of infertility that, that you wanna invite the Lord into because he is the one who loves to step in and to override our human impossibilities. Can you say amen? The third thing that I want you to see about this text is that the divine promise repositions our human distinctions and levels the playing field. It repositions our human distinctions and it levels the playing field. God comes in and levels the playing field. And the end of this text, Galatians 3, 26 through 28, Paul says, so in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ and there is neither Jew nor Gentile, there is neither slave nor free, there is neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. I want you to see neither Jew nor Gentile. That's God breaking down ethnic barriers. He levels the playing field in a world of tribalism, in a world of, of, I'm gonna strike you down so that I can have power, in a world that has history of slavery at every continent that you look at, where there are humans that live. There's slavery, people saying, I am better than you and therefore you are my property. That's, that's, that's the human nature, that, the, the sinful human nature that runs through all of us. And Paul says in Christ, there is neither Jew nor Gentile. There's, there's not one that's better than the other. God levels that, all the ethnic barriers that separate us, the racism, the, the tribalism, the hatred, the, oh, those people over there. There is no distinction. He says there's no slave there's no free. This is the breaking down of economic and socio-political barriers. This is the breaking down of power barriers. There's no slave nor free. In Jesus Christ, all that, all that sinful system gets broken and leveled. In Jesus Christ, there's no ethnic or socio-political barriers. He says there's neither male nor female. All the, the gender barriers are broken down. The, 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 men are not better than women and women don't have to, like he, God is the one who brings Adam and Eve in the garden who are pointing fingers at each other and in Jesus Christ, he brings them back together and they hug it out. Hey, you don't have to point fingers anymore. Why don't you just embrace? Why don't you just receive communion again? Why don't you receive the blessing again? What, don't you know that I've got something better for you? Don't you know you don't have to live against each other? In Christ Jesus, there's neither Jew nor Gentile. There's neither slave nor free. There's neither male nor female. Now let me say this. There's a reason I said he repositions our human distinctions because heaven will not be a homogenized monoculture. Like we, we read neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, neither male nor female, and God just sort of takes away all the distinctions. No, that's not at all what happens. Heaven will not be boring, stale white bread. Heaven will be curry and pad thai and Kenyan chai and Jamaican jerk chicken and English full breakfast. Heaven's gonna be all of it. Heaven is gonna be every tribe. Look at Revelation 7, 9, and 10. And after I looked, after this, I looked and I saw before me, there was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation and every tribe and every people and every language. And they were standing before the throne of God. And John on the island of Patmos through the prophetic vision he had, he could distinguish, oh, from every nation and every tribe and every people and every language. Like, this is good. God wants it all around his throne. God is not turning us into a homogenized monoculture in the end. God is causing all of our distinctions to become one in this beautiful unity, in this mutuality, this back and forth dance that God intended from before creation. 
we actually get it in the end. Standing before the throne and before the lamb. And here's their unity. Their unity is not in their language. Their unity is not where they come from. Their unity is not in their culture. Their unity is that they're wearing white robes and they were holding palm branches. Their unity was in they were worshiping the lamb who was slain. Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and unto the Lamb. So I want you to see we keep our distinctions, which are beautiful, the kaleidoscopic glimpses of the glory of God that shine through each one of us in our own particularity. We keep those distinctions in the end, but the divine promise repositions our distinctions and levels the playing field so that we no longer have to live against each other or in competition with each other. In the presence of God, we keep our distinctions, but we're unified in our worship of the Lamb. Amen. (laughs) Think about Jesus, the Son of God, seated on the throne at the right hand of the Father in eternal glory, the one who from before all things was in perfect unity with his Father by his Spirit, the, di- dance of, the, the divine dance of Trinitarian love, God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit. Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father, and in the middle of history, the Son of God humbles himself. His distinctions, he doesn't keep those as ways to separate from us, but he, he lays them down and he repositions them and he, he gives them so that he can come and, and, and be, be born and give his life to save us. Jesus Christ shows us what to do with our power. Jesus Christ shows us what to do with our distinctions. Jesus Christ shows us what to do to be able to come together. He didn't weaponize his authority against us. He laid himself down so that we could be made one. And what I want you to hear tonight is the very end of this chapter, Paul says, if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed. Jesus is the seed of Abraham. He is the one who got the story right. Through him, all the nations of the earth are blessed. And so Paul says, look, if you say, I believe in Jesus, if you are unified with Christ, then you become Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise so that when Jesus has healed you and washed you, you step out into the community and you start to be the blessing of God racing through the streets. (laughs) You start to be the one who administers this kind of end time unity where you go, you know what? Bless you and come on in here and radical hospitality. You're marked by the power of Jesus and you're Abraham's seed and you're heirs according to the promise. So you go out into the world, not competing against one another, but there to bless, there to lay down your life, there to throw open the doors of the family of God. Friends, as you're washed in Jesus, as you're identified with Jesus, you become the spacious family of God that the world is looking to find their way into. Tonight, as we come to the end, we prepare to receive from the table of the Lord. I wanna invite our worship team to come. We're gonna sing here in just a minute. But tonight is the night where the divine promise, it overcomes our human impossibilities. The divine promise precedes our underperformance of the law. God loves you and you've disobeyed and you've messed up just as I have disobeyed and messed up. And God says, yeah, I chose to love you before that and I chose, choose to love you on the backside of that. Friends, tonight, 
You need to hear the good news that God is for you. God is working in you. God is overcoming your infertility of soul, your infertility of spirit, your infertility of relationships. God is overcoming all those broken areas of your life. And finally, in Jesus Christ, the divine promise is leveling the playing field and repositioning our human distinction. So tonight, Lord, we need you. I want you to begin to turn this into a a time of prayer, a a prayer meeting, where you can do business with God. The first thing is some of you don't believe that God just chose to love you before. (laughs) You think your love is contingent, or his love for you is contingent upon your performance, and tonight I'm praying that lie would be rebuked. I love you, I love you, I love you. Never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. I pray that you would hear those words from Jesus tonight. Second group, you know the areas of human impossibility. You know your shortcomings. You know what you're not able to do. You know that you can't make it happen for yourself. Tonight, would you relax back into God's creative sovereignty? Would you let him do what only he can do? Third group that I wanna pray for and pray over. Those of you who have either felt on the underside of power or those of you who have been tempted to leverage your power against another. For those of you who are strong, for those of you who have status, for those of you who have power, Pray that you would see Jesus Christ with his arms stretched out on the cross and see what your power was meant for. For those of you who are on the the underside of power and you've had power leveraged against you and it's cost you and you've lived on, you know, there's neither slave nor free and you've said, I've been enslaved to someone else's story. I pray tonight that you would find yourself raised up, that you would find yourself empowered, that you would find yourself the playing field level, Jesus making a way for you tonight. And so Lord, we need you. We absolutely need you. We depend on you to heal us. We depend on your promise to make the world right again. And so we worship you tonight, Jesus. Would you stand with me, church? you get your communion elements ready to receive if you don't have communion elements just raise your hand and our team will get them to you the Lord Jesus on the night that he was betrayed he took the bread and he broke it and you can break that wafer there in your hand And if there was ever a level playing field, this is it. Jesus, the son of God says, this is my body, which is broken for you. And as often as you do this, remember what I'm like. Friends, we go from here receiving from Jesus and now we have power to live a different way. We have power to be gentle. We have power to be generous. We have power to bleed for other people. We have power to trust the Father to raise us up even if we're crucified. We have the power to live a different way.
way. So Jesus, we need you to give us that strength tonight, that courage tonight. We need you to embed the promise within us tonight that you are the God who is for us. Friends, you may receive the bread. same night Jesus took the cup of wine he said this cup is the new covenant given in my blood and it's given for the remission of your sins it's given for your underperformance it's given for your failures it's given for all those terrible moments that you've been embarrassed about and it's not just given for them to be precious it's given so that those things can be drowned away in God's endless mercy It's given so that your conscience can be cleared. It's given so that your psyche can be washed. It's given so that you can get your joy back. God is for you. God is not mad at you, friends. The blood of Christ has been shed for us, and that changes everything. So Jesus Christ, we receive the forgiveness that only you can give us. We receive the renewal that only you can give us. We receive the cleansing and the clear conscience that only you can give us. Friends, your sins are forgiven you. You may receive the cup. Now let's worship the Lord together. You unravel me with a melody. You surround me with a song of deliverance from my enemies till all my fears are gone. And I'm no longer a slave. I am a child of God. I'm no longer a slave to fear. For I am a child of God. Thank you, dear. Hallelujah. From my mother's womb. Chosen me, love has called my name. I've been born again into a family, your blood flows through my veins. Cause I'm no longer a slave to fear, for I child of God. Yes, I am. I'm no longer a slave to fear. Hallelujah. For I am a child of God. Yes, I'm no longer a slave to fear. For I am a child of God. No longer a slave to fear 
you come up here. My sister Jessica during worship felt like the Lord gave her a prophetic word for the congregation and hearing it, I wanted her to share it here at the end. So Jessica, tell us what you're hearing. I just got this overwhelming sense that a lot of us walked into church today having hard weeks. Some of us have had hard months and there are some of us in this room that have had hard years and decades I specifically heard that word decades, that there have just been some really hard decades. And I feel like there's been this question that people have been wrestling with, this question wondering when it's going to get easier. When is it going to shift? When am I going to see the fulfillment of God's promises? A lot of what Dana was saying tonight. I heard the Spirit of God saying that it's time to exhale the fear. A lot of times when we're wrestling with disappointment, when we're wrestling with heaviness, just even in our physical bodies, we stop breathing properly. Our heart rates accelerate, and it's hard to take proper breaths. The Lord created our entire systems to work divinely in heavenly order, 
And so as, as natural as that sounds, I heard the Spirit of God saying that it's time to exhale the fear, the disappointment, the decades of torment, the uncertainty, the physical exhaustion, the lies of the enemy. Some of us have been just entertaining those lies and they're so familiar that some of us don't even see them as lies anymore that we can't even exhale them and and come out of partnership with them because we believe them as our truth. And our good and gracious Father is saying that he is here to wipe away the lies of the enemy and to replace them with truth. I heard him say, fall into his gentle and loving arms. And the scripture that just kept going on in my spirit is, are you tired? It's Matthew eleven twenty eight. Are you tired? worn out, burned out on religion. Come to me, get away with me and you will recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. We have the ability to be in relationship with a heavenly father who is intimately acquainted with all of our ways. And he has given us 100% access to him as our loving father. We can watch how he does it. We can learn the unforced rhythms of grace. He won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. And this promise that I just felt that I was supposed to declare over your life is that there are many of us who Jesus is inviting us back into the unforced rhythms of grace, that there's a promise over your life that you will be able to live in this free-flowing, unforced rhythms of grace, just freely moving as the Spirit moves, that there, there just will be um, just this divine order into your days, into your thought lives, with your families, and your marriages with your children. He's inviting us to step into the streams of living water, to fully believe that He sees us and He is going to be faithful. He is getting ready to pour out refreshment, healing for our souls, healing for our minds, healing for our bodies, a renewed sense of hope. I hear him saying, you're getting ready to move into a season where you are going to recover your life. Oh, what a Savior. Come on, church. Isn't he wonderful? Sing hallelujah. Christ is risen. Bow down before him. For he is Lord of all. Sing hallelujah. Christ is
tonight to receive the benediction. I pray that you'd recover your life. In Jesus Christ. All you who are weary and heavy laden, rest. Deep breath. Quick joy. Childlike faith. Irrepressible hope. Do it, Lord. Let the promise be realized. Pray may the Lord our God bless you. And may he keep you. May he make his face to shine upon you. And be gracious to you. May the Lord lift his bright, smiling countenance upon you. And grant you and all your people peace. And I pray these things tonight. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and all God's people said, amen. Let's give the Lord thanks for what he's done here tonight. I want to want to invite our prayer team to come down. If you need any prayer, we would love to agree with you. If you're new, come see us at Guest Central in the back of the room at the sign over here. Go from here tonight in God's grace and peace. Much love.